You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Evolve his, the process. His, his nose is growing. Rick Pinocchio, we can call him. <laughs> Dude, he... He's, we have no listen, idea what we're going to do. Do we have any more, like, any Rick Spielman bites in the system? Because if you listen to him talk, not even just from yesterday, but just, like, in general, he uses... It's like he... I, I took a, a class in high school. Uh, it was like a college in the schools writing class where they taught you, okay, you get college credit... And they teach you how to write AP style and how to write, you know, storytelling narrative, all these things. And one of the first exercises, I remember Vicki Carey, one of my favorite teachers of all time, and she used to teach us how to trim the fat in our writing. So you'd write your first draft and she wouldn't tell, she would just say, write your first draft in, you know, four pages and write it however you want. And then we'd have to get it down the next draft to three pages, down to two pages. Like say the, say the same thing. But get to the damn point, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you were you've been a writer for thirty years. Rick Spielman's the opposite. All right, I want to tell them that we aren't really sure what we're going to do yet, and also I don't really want to tell them what we're going to do yet. Like that press conference could be thirty seconds. Uh, guys, we're not a hundred percent sure what we're going to do yet at quarterback. Uh, we're definitely in on Kirk Cousins, but quite frankly, we need to we need to explore a little bit more. And I'm not going to tell you any more information than that. We'll see you later. He needs to take that and expand it to 20 or 30 minutes. And he does a brilliant job using phrases like "evolve the process." <laughs> I've got three Spielman cuts from random years. One is titled "My Responsibility." The All other right. is titled "Ponder." And the third, right fit. Which would you like? Oh, right fit. Right fit. Right fit's perfect. Could be good. We're not going to box anything in. We're going to look at candidates with head coaching experience at either level. We're going to look at coaches without head coaching experience that have done great jobs as coordinators that may be potential up-and-comers. I can sit here and tell you, I'm not going to tell you the names that we're going to talk to, but I can also tell you that we are not going to be boxed into a specific, he has to be this with this. It's got to be the guy that we think is the right fit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm convinced there's a class that coaches and executives who are moving up the food chain take, which is called answer the question so that that they're confused what they asked in the first place. Yeah, that's to take your question and run in so many different directions and weave with that question that by the time they're done, you're like. What did I ask again? Like, he literally just said, we're, we're going to look for coaches with head coaching experience, without head coaching experience, college coaches, NFL coaches, coordinators, any level, really. We're not going to get boxed into picking a non-human being or an alien. It'll be a human being who likes football. Let me Next in, question. Let me indulge myself. I do want to see or hear what Rick had to say about Christian Ponder. I feel very... Um very excited about Christian's development. You know, you've seen the um, progress he made even in the first game. You know, this, from a just look, if you just looked at the stats, you'd say, well, that's not very good. But, you know, we also had those three drop passes in there. Then you've seen him came up, come out last week against Buffalo, operate the offense, move us up and down the field efficiently, not forcing the ball when it's not there, not turning the ball over, which are, which are key parts of winning football. That's just <laughs> what you were hoping to see as a young quarterback heads into a second year. Yeah. I love the I love yeah. the clauses. 
which are which are key, not turning the ball over, which are key parts of winning football. Thanks, Rick. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I never thought of that he's one. Great, man. He he's a master of filling space with words, but not actually telling you what he really uh, could tell you. Mike Zimmer's the opposite. And he cut open a vein about quarterbacks, and he was asked also today, I'm getting this from StarTribune.com, so the Vikings blocked Kevin Stefanski, their quarterback's coach, from basically taking an interview and taking the the Giants offensive coordinator job. I'm just going to read you this. He explained why he chose to, because it was his decision, to block Kevin Stefanski, who has one year left on his contract. The move prompted some criticism of the Vikings for denying Stefanski, who's been with the team since 2006, a chance to advance. When asked about the decision to block Stefanski from uh, going to the Giants on Thursday morning, Zimmer said, quote, he's a good coach, and added he'll be part of the process in picking the Vikings' next quarterback Then Zimmer had plenty more to say. Quote, should I start on my pet peeve stuff now, he said. I get criticized for blocking guys and stuff like that, but loyalty to me is a big thing, right? So I come in here four years ago, and the offense is ranked 29th, 27th, and 26th, but I keep the coaches intact, except for North Turner. So the, f- so the first time our offense is pretty good, I'm supposed to let all my coaches leave? I don't think that's right. If I'm going to be loyal to them and not fire them after they don't have good years, then I don't think they should not be loyal to me. And I 100% agree. Now, I don't think that you know just because the Vikings – like you could point and say, well, those might have been good coaches, but they didn't have a quarterback to work with or, or whatever the case was. Um, but you know what? If Stefanski signed a multi-year contract and he has another year left, and you think the Vikings are going to be really good, I have no problem. I've said from the beginning, I have no problem. Right, with this. right. But this is why I, I said this is this is not a Vikings flaw; it's a league flaw. A coordinate the offensive coordinator, a defensive coordinator position is a clear promotion, and to say to claim it's a lateral move to go from quarterbacks coach to coordinator is just really dumb. So my beef is not with the Vikings or Zimmer so much as it is with the league. The league should clear that up. And and it's very simple. All you do is say, you are allowed to go from position coach to coordinator, but a team cannot, cannot, um, cannot come up with names for coordinator titles. So you have an offensive and defensive coordinator. And if you're offered either one of those positions and you're, and you're, let's say a cornerbacks or a secondary coach, you can take a defensive coordinator job. That's yeah. the flaw to me is that you're stopping people from what is, you're not calling what's a clear promotion, a promotion. Yeah. Here, here's That's my what, argument. Here's what Pat Shermer had to say to the start to be. And I think Kevin is a tremendous coach and obviously, the Vikings feel the same way. I think he has a bright future. He's a good man. The Vikings did a good thing by keeping him for the Vikings. I'm hopeful they have a great year as well. And uh, and I think, especially if they sign Kirk Cousins and they, they know what they're getting at quarterback, Dalvin Cook is coming back, Thielen, Diggs, it's a decent offensive line. They're probably not going to have the bottom fallout offensively this year. Now, maybe they're not top five, but... It's not going to be an embarrassment. The no, it floor, shouldn't be. The floor yeah. is pretty high for this Vikings sure, offense. Sure. So after this season's over, John D. Filippo is going to get a lot of looks for head coaching jobs if they have a good year, and Kevin Stefanski is going to have another chance to go after any job he wants, offensive coordinator jobs, maybe even at some point head coaching jobs. So I, he's going to wind up getting the job he wants. It'll just be a year later, and it might even be the Vikings offensive coordinator job if, if uh, John Filippo bolts for a head job. I would say this too, though. If Mike uh, if Mike does not like the way that certain things are, are portrayed and he, he has every right not to, 
he could pick up his phone and call Ben Gessling or Chris Th- Thomason of the Pioneer Press. I mean, if you feel that you're being unfairly criticized for not allowing something and you've got an explanation, which Mike does in this case, then you know what? Call those guys up and say, here's why. Yeah. So and- I, so you... It, there's no rule that that says that says Mike Zimmer has to take a month a month's worth of criticism and can't respond until the combine. If you feel that, that you're being wrongly uh, portrayed by the press, then call up a couple people and say this is why I'm doing it and and I believe in loyalty and you might not agree with me, but at least here's why I've gone. I, I've approached this situation in this way. And I think on the loyalty front too. I mean, if you sign a contract, you sign a contract. If if Kevin Stefanski wanted to sign a one-year contract, maybe maybe the Vikings would have balked and said, oh, it's two years or nothing. But I'm sure they would have been willing if they thought he was a good coach to go year to year. So if you want to bet on yourself, go year to year is the moral of, of this story. The moral is Mike Zimmer today has been outstanding. Yes. Giving every answer possible while while Rick Spielman chews his nails off because he's probably so <laughs> frustrated that his head coach does not adhere to the same philosophy of trying to confuse the media and forget what they asked in the first place. I'd love to know how those conversations work out because you know that Rick Spielman sits Zimmer down and says, now, Mike, listen, we can't be telling these guys everything, but Mike's, you know, Mike wants to be honest and, and where – it's when coaches pretend like they don't read stories or listen to sports talk or whatever, like Mike Zimmer clearly does because he was quoted as saying, should I start on my pet peeve stuff? Now I get criticized for blocking. Like I get criticized. He reads, he listens. Of course he does. He watches. And good for him for acknowledging that. But he has every opportunity then to, to go on, on the record a month ago and say, here's what I'm thinking. Here's why. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's uh, take a, a slightly early break here so we can get to Matthew Collar down in Indianapolis, talk more about some of the things that Mike Zimmer laid out. You and I both agree that the the things that Mike Zimmer said today about the quarterback situation are pointing in a very clear direction. So we can get Collar's thoughts on that and other things Vikings offseason. When we come back, it's Mackie and Judd, 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. This was better than a kick in the jaw. On 1500 ESPN. Thank you, David Harrigan. Zolgad in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie at the Hubbard Studios in Arizona. And now we go to Indianapolis where Matthew Collar, who does a great job uh, both on the Purple Podcast and covering the Vikings for us at 1500ESPN.com, was uh, listening in on both uh, Mike Zimmer's session with the local press earlier this morning and then his uh, press conference a couple hours ago. And Matthew, how refreshing was it for you after after hearing Rick Spielman try and uh, uh, get around almost every question he was asked on Wednesday to hear the Vikings head coach get up to a podium or sit down and talk to you guys and actually give you a lot of what seemed to be very truthful responses? No, I wasn't really surprised. I mean, this is kind of Mike Zimmer's way. Since uh, I've been covering him, he's probably leading the league in overly honest comments, right, that sometimes get thrown back at his face. But uh, in this case, I I thought he really nicely laid out all the questions that the team is asking themselves, you know, whether it comes to Sam Bradford's knee or the possible regression on Case Keenum or just how little they were able to see of Teddy Bridgewater, even when it came to 
seeing him in practice or, or even going outside and uh, spending the amount of money that they're going to have to spend to bring in someone like Kirk Cousins. I mean, the thing that stuck out to me was three different times Zimmer went back to saying, you know, we've got to make sure we can keep this whole team together. And he made the point that over his four years, they've averaged 10 wins per year, and they have not had any stability at the quarterback position, but they've been very uh, competitive in part because they have a really good roster from top to bottom. And he doesn't want to sacrifice that roster just to bring in a quarterback. And, and that. It says to me that the message is, is going to be out there to Kirk Cousins, yeah, that we're probably interested. But at the same time, if that means having to lose Eric Hendricks or Anthony Barr or Daniel Hunter or somebody that's important on, on the back end, then uh, they're probably going to go a different direction. Yeah. So, all right, let's go through some of these uh, one by one here. I feel like his comments on Teddy Bridgewater are different than what he was saying a few months ago. Uh, he said, and I'm sort of paraphrasing here, uh, that it's tough to gauge Teddy's readiness now because he hasn't really played a lot in two years. I thought he was much more confident in Teddy's readiness back in October, November-ish, early December. It's almost like someone, it's almost like in these conversations with trainers and scouts and general managers and Kirk Cousins is now a name being tossed around in the room that that some people are trying to tell Zimmer, listen, we know you love Teddy Bridgewater. We all love Bridgewater, but this is much more uncertain than, you know, than, you know, our confidence can't be placed in a guy who's this uncertain. So do you think he sort of changed his tune a little bit or am I reading too much into it, Matthew? Uh, maybe. I mean, I think that uh, all along we've known that it was going to be really hard to know exactly what Bridgewater could do in a real game uh, on this knee um, because we just hadn't seen it. And at the end of the year, Zimmer said something similar to this, where he went back to saying that he wished he was able to see more of him in real game action than just in practice. And what his point was is that when you're running the scout team, um, you can you know do a lot of things that maybe you couldn't do in real games, uh, obviously because you're facing pressure and people are falling at your legs and, and different things like that. Uh, is a major part of it. So I don't think that it's a, a whole lot different, but I do think that um, considering Bridgewater might not be thrilled with the way that this whole thing has gone down with the potential tolling or not being offered a contract yet or, or whatever the issue might be, uh, that maybe they're calming down a little bit with how much they're praising him. But, you know, Zimmer still went back to talking about what a winner Teddy Bridgewater is. I mean, there's a, there's a comment in there where he says, He's a great person, and in his second year, we won the division with him, and that's something that's always going to stick out in Zimmer's mind. And, and the thing that makes Bridgewater different from a lot of these other quarterbacks is maybe they're, uh, they had won, but I think Bridgewater was a real driver of their winning in 2015 in, in a lot of big situations where they needed him, uh, even on the last drive against Seattle where they needed him to, to make a play. So that sticks out in Zimmer's mind. But I think he laid out the question pretty clearly we don't really know what that's going to look like, and that makes it difficult for us. So after hearing him talk about uh, Case and Sam and Teddy today, what is your opinion right now of the situation uh, compared to what it was when you initially sat down this morning for the discussion with Zimmer? I think that Zimmer is really sad about Sam Bradford. <laughs> um, I mean, we knew that he was upset about what happened with Teddy Bridgewater, but he was really effusive in his praise for Sam Bradford's skill. And I, I mean, I told you guys last year when we were watching practice and watching Sam Bradford let it rip that he has one of the most impressive arms I have ever seen. And I think that really stuck out in Zimmer's mind. And the last time he really watched Sam Bradford play a full game, he tore apart the New Orleans Saints 
And I do wonder if it's in the back of Zimmer's mind, like, man, if it was only Sam Bradford playing in that playoff game, uh, what could have been uh, if Bradford had been healthy the whole season or could we have been 15-1 and one or whatever it might have been. But then, you know, he mentioned that Bradford has this knee issue that he called degenerative, which is like a <laughs> major red flag, exclamation point, bad news sort of thing. That doesn't help uh, Sam, Matthew. What's that? I said that that does not help Sam's cause to get further oh. employment when the head coach of your previous team comes out and says you have a degenerative knee problem. No, no, he's going to have a really tough time selling anybody else that the knee is, is going to be okay. But, you know, uh, the option is still is still there. I don't think that it's really a possibility because of him using the word degenerative to bring back Sam Bradford on a one-year contract and draft a quarterback or something like that. Like, that is in the cards maybe somewhere, but I don't think that that ends up at the top of the list. But that really stuck out to me just – how upset he sounded still of what happened with Sam Bradford and his knee this year. Yeah. And then the other quarterback honesty point was just him saying what we all sort of thought the whole season because he refused to name Case Keenum the starter any given week. Uh, he verbalized the fact that they're trying to figure out if Keenum is the guy that played for us in 2017 or is some of that St. Louis-Houston stuff still in there, Matthew? Yeah, and I mean, that's a really hard question to answer, too, because you know, well, I do tend to think that Case Keenum would regress. How much is he really going to regress? Or are you going to get pretty much the same performance out of him because you have such a great supporting cast? And Zimmer said that straight out. He said, you know, was it the teammates around him who really helped him succeed? And I think if you were to bring back Case Keenum and plug him back in with Phelan and Diggs and an improved offensive line and Delvin Cook, you probably are back in the playoffs. It's just the question of, you know, is that the guy that can make big throws when you really need them? Or is he going to make that bad mistake in the big situation like he did twice in the playoffs? And I, I, if you're Mike Zimmer, that probably wakes you up at night thinking about, you know, what could have been if it was Sam or if it was Teddy because uh, neither one of those guys were really prone to making that wild throw or not uh, understanding the situation or whatever it might be that, that Keenum did. But I mean, that's something that we've talked about all along with a guy that has a track record of being an extremely mediocre quarterback and having two teams name him the starter and eventually move on. Is that a guy you really want to lock yourself into with big money? Which is why I thought that the franchise tag might be an option because they do have the cap room. Uh, but it seems that that's not going to happen and that they'll probably move on from Case. But I, I think that Zimmer really nailed it when it came to every one of these quarterbacks and what the big questions are. So uh, t tell me this, too. When it comes to the potential of signing Cousins, uh, and Zimmer brings up the fact that I don't want to mortgage my, my defensive assets for him, you wrote about this probably about three weeks back. What would be the breaking point figure? So, so what would be the number where the Vikings say, in, in this, you know, for the sake of keeping uh, Kendricks and keeping Barr and even Diggs, what would be the number that would be too much? You know, I, I think that 30 million bucks a year on the cap is probably about as high as you could ever go. I mean, that's where the Detroit Lions stand with Matthew Stafford, and that's kind of become the new number. If you're going to sign a long term quarterback deal, it's going to be from 25 to 30 million. And when I looked at the cap, it, it's my belief that if they signed Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr to similar contracts as the two linebackers from the Rams, which was about 18, 19 million dollars between the two per year on the cap that that would be a pretty good situation for the Vikings. Daniel Hunter's going to get a lot, but it's not going to be 
an insane, insane amount because his sack total went down last year. And Stephon Diggs is going to get a lot of money because he's a top-notch wide receiver. But they can fit all of those players. I think that maybe the concern wouldn't just be fitting those players, but also being able to add other players. I mean, think of what they did with the offensive line just this last year of signing Riley Reef and Mike Remmers. Or you think about the opportunity that they might have on defense this year in free agency to add someone like Sheldon Richardson or you know get a guy that can take you from good to great on one side of the ball or at one position, I mean, that, that might be something where even though you keep your core stars in your nucleus, you can't really go out and add to it in free agency if you have a quarterback that's making $30 million. And I think that that's where Mike Zimmer's holdup might be when those guys are in that room having that debate. Do we really want to spend this much and this is his number? Then that's where Zimmer's going to say, well, hey, what if I need to go sign the next Linval Joseph or the next Captain Munerlin, who is pretty helpful for this team, or Terrence Newman or some of the other free agents that have really taken this team to the next level uh, throughout his tenure here? I mean, th- those little signings might be pretty tough, and then you've got to rely on the luck of hitting in the draft and, and getting some later picks to work out, and, and that doesn't always happen. Uh, do you buy what Mike Zimmer said about best player available? I think I think it was maybe it was Spielman. It was one, one of the two said that this year they are more in a best player available position late in the first round. Now m- most teams say that every year, but you know is that the case with the Vikings, or do you think they would still lean heavily toward trenches late in the first round, Collar? It's always that kind of balance that you're looking for. I mean, if it was a running back, then like, no, of course not. I mean, even if that's the best player, you're not drafting another running back to throw in there. If it's a wide receiver, probably not. But um, there are a few positions where you could see the best player available among four or five different spots. I mean, um, you know, the the tight end position might end up being uh, an interesting one there. Or, yeah, I mean, the offensive and defensive line stand out. But even a cornerback, I think that – Vikings fans would be upset if they drafted another cornerback, but if you're thinking about a succession plan for letting Trey Wayans go eventually and not having to sign him to a huge deal because you've already got a big contract with Xavier Rhodes, then maybe that is a possibility, or safety even. I mean, Andrew Sandeo is coming off a very good year, but he's 30 years old, and uh, you might be looking for a more dynamic player there eventually or, or someone that you could even mix in a sort of hybrid defensive back type position uh, on your defense next year that's that's sort of a dynamic player. So, I mean, I think that there's an argument for four or five different positions, but I don't think the answer is ever just take the most talented player or we would see a lot more running backs go high than we do. Probably true. Yeah. Uh, uh, Collar, beyond the QB discussion, what else did uh, Mike have to say today that you found intriguing? Uh, I think him talking about Latavius Murray and his potential role on this team, I mean, they could – if they really wanted to create more cap space, they could renegotiate a deal with Murray or they could uh, just move on from him and it wouldn't hit them very hard in the cap, especially next year where it's almost nothing for dead cap space. But it sounded a lot to me like Mike Zimmer is very happy with the idea of having Latavius Murray and Delvin Cook. And, and he seems to understand that if you want to have a great, great player like Delvin Cook for a very long time, that uh, you can't run him 400 times in a year. You can't have him touching the ball on every play, <laughs> or you're going to run him down by uh, age 27, right? Mm-hmm. Normally, uh, that, that, that tends to be what happens. And I think teams are getting smarter and smarter with the way they use their running backs, especially if they're great. And we've seen some running backs last a, a lot longer. Matt Forte just retired, and that's a guy who was pretty darn good for a, a really long time. And I think that that's what they're hoping for, is that Cook is a centerpiece of this team for a long time. And just 
Mike Zimmer is super excited about getting Dalvin Cook back. I mean, he was as crushed as you'll see him when Cook uh, got hurt last year. And now with the fact that he could be back here by OTAs, I mean, I think that Zimmer is extremely excited about having a player that talented in his backfield again. I'm going to put you on the spot here, Matthew Collar. If you had your own uh, war room and draft board, in what order would you put the 2018 quarterback prospects? Hmm, that's, a, that's a good question. Man, you know, that's really hard because like, each one of them has things that, are, that you really like but then has other things that make you question. I think Josh Rosen is my number one quarterback because he's polished, he's extremely accurate, and he's a very, very highly intelligent person. And I think that that's where you have to start. But he also has a little bit of cockiness to him. And I, I like all of those things. They're kind of Aaron Rodgers-esque. Um, but right behind him, I might have Lamar Jackson. I, Lamar Jackson is an athlete unlike any we have seen in the NFL draft since probably Michael Vick. Um, or, I mean, Cam Newton, considering his size. But, you know, Lamar Jackson is even much faster than Cam Newton. He's expected to probably run around a 4-4, and he can really throw the ball, on, especially on certain routes, like steam routes down the middle, post. He can really wing it. And the guy has a, a complicated offense at Louisville that's kind of like a, a pro offense already. So, I mean, I, there's a lot to like about him. The only one that I would say I, I don't really like is uh, Josh Allen. I don't believe that pure arm strength is going to make you a great quarterback. And I also question a little bit with Sam Darnold, um, with his ups and downs. He had some high ups, but he had some really low downs. Um, and then, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield has unbelievable statistics at Oklahoma that would make you really like him. He's incredibly accurate. But I do have questions about a guy that gets rattled by Kansas, right? I mean, it's hard to not still have questions there. So I think that Rosen and Jackson are probably my one and two. Mayfield right after that, then Darnold, then Allen. Thank, thank you, Matthew Collar. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. I'll Bye, talk Matthew. to you on Saturday, 10 o'clock. It'll be great fun. Bye. Uh, Purple Podcast, too, is uh, is on fire these days. So if you just want meat and potatoes, football breakdowns, Collar, you're a, you're a regular on Purple Podcast. Yes, I am. It, it's good stuff. Um, let's come back here. You're in the TCL broadcast studios. I've been at Hubbard Phoenix. I'll be here today and tomorrow catching some spring training, hanging out with my pops who lives down here. I've got another thing for you on this Mike Zimmer honesty. Like, here's something to think about when we come back. What's wrong with sports honesty? What? Why do these executives and coaches treat sports honesty as if, like, we're not dealing with ISIS here? Because, so, because deception's the name of the game. Well, let's talk more about that. And also, if you have thoughts on... Uh, the Vikings quarterback discussion that has kind of evolved today. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie. He tells you things, and you're like, "Oh wow, okay, that's interesting." Yeah. Judd Zolgad. One of the greatest screwballs I ever met in my life, but uh, interesting fellow. Mackie and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. There it is, Phil Mackie. Honesty. Why can't wow. we just get a little Billy Joel asking the question, wow. not us? Uh, I do enjoy this song. I do enjoy some Billy Joel. So I've got. Let's take a call here first. All I right. do have. I do have something for you uh, on this honesty thing. I actually have an anecdote that I want to share with you, but because it's just it doesn't make any sense. Why I get the teams want to be secretive and they don't want to give away all of their right. you know all of their inner workings. But I have an anecdote for you that takes that over the top. Let's go to the phone lines though. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey Seamus, what's up? Hey, um, I just wanted to disagree with Collar on one point. Um, he always gives credit to Bridgewater. Um, for coming back in the fourth quarter against that Seattle game and certainly deserves credit. 
Um, but he fails to give credit to Case Keenum for coming back twice against a probably uh, just as good defense in the Saints. And uh, considering the circumstances with the momentum down, you know, he brought us back twice against the Saints. And so I think people get a lot uh, very frustrated uh, when he gives credit to Bridgewater, which, again, he deserves, mm-hmm. uh, but doesn't give the credit to Keenum. Um, and then lastly, I just want to say I'm glad I'm not being paid to make this decision because uh, <laughs> no, no matter right. what, I feel like you're going to get criticism uh, no matter which way you go. So but that's it's, all I got. Thanks, thanks Seamus. I, I would add, so I'll say this about, you know, we like to apply the the percentage chance or lottery ticket logic to baseball, right? Well, if you have a number one overall pick, there's probably an 80% chance he pans out. If you have a an eighth round pick, it's probably, you know, 2% or whatever. If you were to put a percentage chance on all of the quarterbacks that we're talking about panning out over the next five years, Kirk Cousins' percentage is far higher than Bridgewater's and Case Keenum's because yeah. and Sam Bradford it's the for most obvious sure, reasons. It's the most sure thing that you could possibly yes. have, right? Yes. Um, now, Case Keenum might come for far less money guaranteed over a long period of time, but only if he's not good. If Case Keenum is good, he's going to cost you $20 million, $25 million a year, just like any other good quarterback would. Uh, so that's another thing. Like Case Keenum is only cheap if he's not good. So keep that in mind when you're when you're talking about Here, discounted quarterbacks. Here's where I'll defend Collar on, on not praising Keenum uh, for the comebacks against the Saints. The second half was incredibly shaky. If oh Ke- yeah, they, so, so, so if seventeen Keenum, rip in that yeah, game. So if Keenum if Keenum had put together a really strong game and the de- and his defense had simply collapsed and, and then he had to bring the team back, I think we'd be praising him and I think the narrative would be completely different. But the the actual game was, as you just said, they're up 17 nothing, and Keenum starts to struggle, and he throws a bad pick. And so I think the reason why we don't praise him for coming back a couple times, and especially the Diggs pass, is because he largely put them in a position where they had to. Yes, and of course then people can say, yeah, but Teddy Bridgewater throwing the ball away and dinking and dunking puts you in a position where you don't have enough points on the board. And uh, and there's not like you could have this back and forth you could argue with yourself about this, right? But Bridgewater was dink and dunk because they didn't cater the system to him and he didn't have receivers like Case Keenum has, and around we go. Uh, bottom line is, if I'm putting a percentage chance of franchise quarterback thriving over the next five years, Bridgewater's knee and lack of playing time the last two years makes his percentage much lower than uh, Kirk Cousins. But I also think the upside of Bridgewater is much greater than the upside of Case Keenum. I mean, there's a reason why he was a number one or a first-round draft pick and Case Keenum was undrafted. Like, that that matters more than people think because everyone always says, well, Russell Wilson was a third-rounder and, you know, uh, Kurt Warner was undrafted. Yeah, but those are the rare exceptions, the rare exceptions. And also, if Keenum had popped up, if he hadn't been drafted, and let's say he popped up at the age of 24, it'd be much different. The reality... The reality is he got buried on benches until the age of 29. So if Keenum hadn't been drafted and it was just a massive screw-up, right? The league had just screwed up and he had come in and let's say he got a chance at the age of 24 and he thrived, this is a totally different conversation. But there is enough in his resume now and the background of what he's been through professionally to question it. Yes, Agreed. So um, I think that's I think that's why we're not all anxious to say this is really him because from the head coach to us to a lot of people I think we all say that was really impressive but I'm not sure that's him. Yeah. So on this Mike Zimmer honesty front here, I love it. 
I think it's awesome, and I think more coaches and executives should just be more willing to to give you actual substance when they're answering questions. Sometimes these these sports organizations forget that the reason why they make so much money and the reason why uh, you know extra zeros get attached to their paychecks now compared to the 70s and the 80s is because fans are paying a lot of money for tickets, for food, for parking. They're paying more money on their cable bills and they're watching games. And, and, and there's a reason why the NFL is a $12 billion pie that gets split up with money going to players and executives and coaches. And I, and I would just challenge some of these teams and I would say, what do you have to lose by just being a little more honest? No one's asking you to open up your war room and, and unveil your entire line of thinking. But, you know, there's not, just like the Twins have, it's no sweat off their back that they went out for three months and said, you know what, we're in on you, Darvish. And we found out that they made a five-year, hundred-plus million-dollar offer to you, Darvish. What's the downside? That fans are a little bit buzzkilled when they don't get him. Like I'm, I'd rather know what they're doing, and I'd rather know that they're making these offers for over a hundred million dollars than for them to make it a state secret. In fact, here's my anecdote for you. I'm not going to say which team or which executive because it's, it's just not. I don't know. It's not really fair. But I heard a story one time about a local sports team in town here and a prominent figure behind the scenes of local sports teams. And I know that you've had this experience covering the Vikings beat for sure, but this person would go through desks and phones and in some cases like emails to find out where the leaks were coming from. Like, why are you spending your time on that oh, as a I'll tell you a story. sports figure behind the scenes? With names. Um, there was one of my years on, on the Vikings beat, I got a pretty decent scoop and it was not like a Schefter. Okay. But it was decent. Not bad. I know for a fact that it went as high as Mark Wilf, that they were going through phone records to try and find out, to try and cross reference my cell phone with cell phone calls into the building. And in fact, I think employee cell phones. That's amazing. But I'm saying Mark, Mark Wilf was involved. I was told directly, Mark Wilf is involved. Your owner was involved. That's such a waste of time. Mike, Mike Sherman at the Packers used to go through the coaches and employees when when he was GM and coach, which creates, by the way, the ultimate paranoia. He would go through the um, the coaches and employees' phone records to look to see basically how much time they were spending talking to people and if he could find out if they were talking to reporters. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, God. this is not unusual. And, and now I get it if the government decides that, hey, if this information gets out to the public, it could jeopardize our safety as a country or a military operation. Well, totally get it. We ain't dealing with terrorists here, here in the NFL here, and in Major League Baseball. Here's my opinion of where, and, and this is not hard, here is where you should draw the line if, if you're a team, and this is what Spielman doesn't get. We don't expect, and nor is it probably a good idea to give out your trade secrets. So if you've got something that nobody knows and you're not going to volunteer it, I don't blame you. But all Mike Zimmer did today was confirm what we already have been talking about for months about his quarterbacks. Yeah. Like, he didn't give away any secrets here. All we're saying now is, hey, you're thinking the same thing that it was clear we thought you were thinking. Yeah. Right? No, like, I. so Matt Cheetah is calling me out for being a hypocrite, and I'll I'll give him... I'll take the loss on this one. He said, regarding sports honesty, weren't you ripping Judd earlier this year for his fake outrage over coaches not being public about player injuries? I think it was a hockey argument. Uh, if I remember, your point to Judd was, why do you feel entitled to know what an injury is? 
My, I was ripping you because you were just like indignant. We all knew that Zach Parisi, what the injury was, and you were just indignant. You wanted them to say it. Well, because it seems silly not to. But I think, so I think there is a distinction between injuries. Okay, I don't want the world to know that my quarterback has a sore back or something sure. other than just putting him on the injury report. So there are certain things that are competitive advantage things, but then there's certain things that teams just don't have to be secret about. Oh, here's another one. This is a great one, all right? When Bill Smith was the GM of the Twins in 2011, and and we were down. I was cut. Fifteen hundred ESPN had sent me down to Orlando, I believe it was. I went to the winter meetings a few years in a row. I think this was the Orlando winter meetings at the Swan and Dolphin Resort, two thousand eleven December. And Bill, so Bill would hold these sessions with me, Lavelli Neal, and I want to say Kelly Thazier from MLB.com at the time, and uh, Kelsey Smith was covering for the Pioneer. So it's like four. Very nice local beat writers, and we're in this. Uh, all of the teams have these like multi hotel suites. There's like a conference room that they kind of set up in the room. So it's the four of us writers at a table, and it's Bill, and we get to ask him questions because we travel down and we, you know, right. give us a little information. And give you we some spent time. some money to travel down and sure. cover this thing, and and it's good. It's good publication for the team to kind of update fans on what's going to happen in the off season. And Bill was giving us nothing. Nothing. Sayoshi Nishioka was maybe on the verge of signing, and Bill would give us nothing. Uh, okay, what about this over here? Uh, Carl Pavano is a free agent or whatever it was, and he just, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I'm not gonna, not gonna give you an update on that. And it was this kind of 10 to 15 minute period of him not giving us anything about who they're meeting with. Did you meet with so and so? Not gonna tell you. Did you meet with so and so? And finally, Lavelli Neal goes, Bill. All right, let me try this one. Carlos Gutierrez, who, if you remember, was a former first-round pick, and Carlos was toiling in the minor leagues, but he was at, like, AAA. He had never pitched in the big leagues before. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if he was on the 40-man roster. He might have been. Uh, but he was, you know, as a first-round pick, and his career was kind of in, in the balance. And Lavelle said, is he going to be a reliever or a starter for you guys in 2011? And Bill was, like, peeling the label off his water bottle, not making eye contact, just kind of nervously deciding if he wanted to give you an answer on the question. And he said... Yeah, Lavelle, uh, I'm just uh, not gonna go there either. Not gonna, not gonna tell you. And, and we're all like, "Come on!" That, we literally you know flew what that down is? to Orlando. That is insecure. That is insecurity at some point. Maybe that's not. That's not knowing <laughs> that. Now it, Bill, now Bill, yeah, Bill got better, and and I sure. like Bill as a person, so but I'm like not Rick, trying to rip Bill. But. Rick doesn't realize that he can tell you something. He, Rick thinks if I give you one morsel, you're gonna get everything. That's not the case. All Mike Zimmer did today was be a little bit honest. Yeah. That's all it is. I mean, he did ex except for except for selling Sam Bradford's degenerative knee out. That might not have been a good idea. <laughs> but I'm not, you know what? That's fine with me. I think that's that's one item that the league knows but probably didn't need a reminder on. If you're the agent for Sam Bradford, you're probably hoping that people yeah. forgot about the whole degenerative thing a few months ago. And, hey, his knee's fine. He's skiing. And Mike Zimmer's like, oh, it's still degenerative. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. Uh, all right. I'm hanging out in Phoenix, Hubbard, Phoenix. Going to watch some baseball down here and report on all the Twins rivals. I'm going to go get some inside information on the Cleveland Indians. I'm sure they'll give it up to you guys. Yeah. yeah. And you're hanging out in the TCL broadcast studios up in uh, the Twin Cities. Let's do... We can do a couple things. If people, oh, you have calls right now. Yeah, Bob and CJ. Oh, sorry. Let's take a call right now. Yeah, go ahead. All right, Bob. What's going on? Thanks for holding. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Bob in I Pennsylvania, Zimmer, maybe. Yes, it is. Yes. Zimmer made Zimmer made one of his best decisions in many years 
he finally came to the conclusion that it's not worth taking a risk on Bridgewater. His injury was one of the worst we've seen in many years, and nobody's ever come back from it. So what I can't believe is what I just heard from you guys. You said that Teddy Bridgewater's upside right now is greater than Case Keenum's, and I completely disagree with you because he, Keenum's healthy, and he, you know, he, his body of work last year could even get better with another team or the Vikings, whereas Bridgewater may never play another game in his life. And he, if he does play, it won't even be for three years. So I don't see where you see the upside in Bridgewater over Keenan. The other point is this, is that with Cousins' situation right now, uh, I think that from all of the, the analysis that you have given us on your show, and I really appreciate it, I think that if you spend a couple more million on Cousins and you lock him in for a few years, it sounds like that they're going to be able to fit him into the cap and and potentially get just as good of a quarterback situation as we had last year or maybe better. Bob, are you on, are you on the Kirk Cousins wagon? I know you're a big Case Keenum guy. Are you on the Cousins wagon? Well, I'm on the wagon to win the Super Bowl. So... <laughs> I think that I don't think there's much of a, a I don't think there's a huge difference between Cousins and Keenum. I mean, the year that Keenum had last year was subpar MVP, and so I I give him credit for that, and I think he could do just as well next year with the same team that we have. The problem that I have with the Keenum situation is only one problem. And that's Mike Zimmer. He doesn't believe in Kim. His players mm-hmm. believe in him. And, you know, I heard a great statement from the great Mike Francesa, because I'm from the East Coast. You know, I have listened to the fan, Mike, and the, the Mad Dog for many years. And uh, when, for, right before Francesa retired, right before the Super Bowl, he says, you know, as being friends with Bill Parcells, Parcells always told me that one of the main factors that you need to win the Super Bowl is your coach to believe in the quarterback. And I never saw Zimmer believing in Kim. I mean, he proved him wrong, but for the future, if Zimmer doesn't believe in Keenum, I mean, they're not going to win a Super Bowl. That's the yeah. way I look at it. I'm yeah. trying to be honest. I love Keenum, but the way I see it, your coach has to believe in the quarterback. So I think he would believe in Cousins a lot more than he would with Keenum. Thanks, yeah, Bob. Bob thank it. you, Bob in Pennsylvania. Let's, I want to respond to a couple things when we come back here. Uh, we'll just wrap up and respond, and we can take another phone call or two if we have time. 651-646-8255. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Lights, camera, action. On 1500 ESPN. Right now on the 1500 ESPN stream player, you can get yourself a $25 Target gift card. And that's thanks to Luther Brookdale Toyota. That's where Mackie shops. You could shop where Mackie shops. Head to 1500ESPN.com. Click on the stream player to find out how to win. Mackie and Judd. Judd back in the TCL Broadcast Studios uh, in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, Phil at the Hubbard Radio Studios in Arizona. Mm, Appreciate it. Appreciate Bob's call. And uh, Bob from Pennsylvania always has really good calls. But I would ask Bob this question. As much as you might like Case and want to believe in Case, 
Don't you think that there's a reason that Zimmer clearly, in my opinion, never has? And and let's not assume that the players all love Case. The players are going to put on publicly and to the media a, a united front here. The players aren't going to, unless they go behind the scenes and really hate the guy, which they don't, they're not going to privately tell, pull um, um, collar aside and say, you know what, I can't stand him. So I'd be very careful. But I think it's very important that a head coach who I think a lot of people supposedly trust in this town has made it clear from day one that despite the fact that his quarterback won 13 games, including the playoff game, he never really fully trusted him himself. I think you got to put a lot yeah. of stock in that fact, Bob. Well, Bob, uh, Bob's first question or point was because uh, I said that Teddy Bridgewater has more upside than Case Keenum, and I believe that, but I'm not going to fight Bob on it. Bob disagrees. The injury is the big elephant in the room. We just don't know how it's going to impact Bridgewater going forward. So I'm almost saying if he was healthy enough to be active and get into a game – and if you were to give him some time to knock off the rust throughout a full off season and play in preseason games and get another year removed from the surgery, um, if I think he's more accurate. I think he obviously he's younger, so there's just more years left to to stack on top of each other. There's but no I'm not potential gonna, there, yeah. Yeah, I but agree. I'm not gonna fight him. And all these like this debate, this Bridgewater case Keenan debate is in the second bin. Kirk Cousins is in the first bin. Mm-hmm. So that's really I mean that that's what we really get down to the reality here is that the Vikings pretty clearly by what Mike Zimmer said today, the Vikings are going to be pushing all in for Kirk Cousins. Well and, and I think from what Mike said today, uh in a very once again a roundabout way, you can come back to this too. I think that somebody has gotten to Mike and said, Mike, as much as you like Teddy, Teddy is going, is still, this is going to be a project and we don't know it's going to work. So if we're being the, if we're being the um, reporting detectives that we can be at times and trying to suss through comments, Zimmer might didn't come out and say this directly, but I think him backing off of his support of Teddy, and I don't mean as a person, I, I mean as a potential quarterback option, I think that tells you something, which is they've said to him, Mike, 2018, with your defense, we can win a Super Bowl, but we don't think that Teddy or Case is probably the guy at quarterback to win that game. Hey, we do still have a couple minutes here. If, if CJ's still on hold, we yep. can take CJ's call here, talking Vikings to wrap up our show today. Go ahead, CJ. Okay, thank you very much for letting me get in on this one. Uh, my uh, big question is, is that if you notice during the Pro Bowl, did the Vikings have any offensive linemen that made the Pro Bowl this year? Uh, well, Pat Elfline was very close, right? Pat Elfline. Did Pat Elfline wind up getting in as an alternate? No, I don't think he did. Okay, now, and, and so you answered my question. No matter who you bring in as the quarterback, the Vikings better start focusing more on protection for the quarterback, whether it's Keenan or Cousins, because whatever, when you've got a schedule that's coming up where you're going to be playing against the top of the top, of the top teams, you're going to have to have that protection in there. And no matter who's back there, they're going to need that protection. So if I was them, I would like to see them bring in at least at least three offensive linemen from the draft. Three? You know, you know what? Well, I, here's where I, I'm going to agree with CJ on this. I'm drafting an offense unless unless there's a just a dearth. I'm drafting an offensive lineman in the first round unless oh, I trade exactly, back. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be three, but yeah, one one is fine. Uh, no, no, at least three because because yeah. people get hurt, and if you try to make a run for it, by the time you get to the playoffs. Those guys are going to be so beat up. 
Three's a lot, CJ. That's what happened. Three's well, a lot. Either way, I think we all agree. Thanks, they need, they need The offensive line is not a finished Thank product. You. Thank you, CJ. They're not replacing the tackles. They're not going to replace the tackles. I do think interior-wise, at guard, there could be a change. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they drafted one, certainly. And I, I think you're right. Take one in the first round, and you might take one late. I think three's a lot. Yeah. I mean, whatever you... I have no idea why franchise centers dropped to the third round. Why Matt Burke was, was he undrafted or seventh round, wherever seventh, he was? Seventh round pick in 98, I believe. You know, yes. um, and then uh, John Sullivan was like a fifth or a sixth because, round pick. Because teams are convinced that when it comes to the interior line, they can develop and find guys. But like, if you redrafted those drafts, oh, I know, you're right. clearly yeah, they no, would no. be first and second round picks. Yeah, no, it's, it's the Elfline pick. But but the fact that Elfline didn't get picked late in the first round last year is absolutely crazy. I mean, in terms of leadership and importance and glue, quarterback is the most important position in the NFL. Left tackle, center, pass rush, and cornerback, mm-hmm. they're all on that next tier mm-hmm. for me. So why why you go first-round cornerback is very we, common. Because we want skill pass position, rusher. guys, Phil. We want skill position. Well, like Edge rusher is very common I, in the first round. Center is not glamorous, but it's so important. And every Vikings successful team, from Mick Tinglehoff to Jeff Christie to Matt Burke to uh, John Sullivan and now like, Pat Elfline, I think the like the Vikings have shown you historically other teams in the NFL why that position is so important. Yeah, no question. Good call from CJ. Yes. Yeah, three still too much to you. Yeah. Well, that was fun. Um, I'm going to be down here uh, again tomorrow from Phoenix, and I'll report back on just how game today? sunburned I am. Ball game? Ball, I'm going to tour around the studios. Ball game tomorrow, I think. Nice. And then All Saturday right. and Sunday and Monday. So All right. uh, game show Friday and write that down tomorrow. We'll see you guys. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com podcasts. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.